Well, good evening, folks. How's everybody doing today? Tonight's message is titled, How Can I Be More Fruitful? And I want to welcome our online audience. If you are tuning in for the first time and you'd like to hear more messages like this, you can go check out our website, which you may be watching right now. Uh, from that portal, and that's MiddletownPortlandSDA.org. I believe we're also on Facebook and some other uh, social media platforms. And then I have my own personal YouTube page called Path of Prophecy, where you can find some exclusive content there. And so let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this season of prayer that we can focus on and uh, just turn our attention to you. And uh, my prayer, Father, is that you would be with us tonight in a very special way. Uh, we've been through a busy day, this uh, second day of the week, and we are looking forward to hearing a message, but for that message to really be heard, our hearts need to be open to you. So it's my prayer that as we open your word, that uh, our hearts would be open to you and for your spirit to be present to prompt us and to grace us with your presence. Open our ears that we would indeed be able to hear and anoint these lips that your word would be preached and not my own. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the question is, how can I be more fruitful? You know, in our neighborhood where I live, uh, there's some grapevines that grow on the uh, side of the road. And I know they're there, even though they're hidden quite well through the bush, because when it comes to about September, I can start smelling them. And it's a real lovely smell. It kind of smells like Welch's grape juice. Uh, but they're basically wild grapes. But there's another set of grapevines in our neighborhood, and they're not wild. And they're at a place just down the road from us a little bit. you got to take a little walk there about a mile and a half away from where we actually live. And that is the Cassidy Hill Winery. There's a winery near us. And they have rows and rows and rows of grapevines. And the difference between the wild grapes growing on the side of the road and the grapes at Cassidy Hill Winery is that one is cared for and the other is not. And they both grow grapes. I mean, my wife and I have plucked some of these wild grapes. We've never gone to the winery and plucked their grapes because that would be stealing. But on the side of the road, these wild grapes grow. And there's been a couple of occasions where we plucked them and nibbled on them as we've walked and even brought some home. But as a result, because one is cared for and the other is not, one set of grapes are far more productive, whereas the other is not. And why is that? And here's the more pertinent question. Is it possible for my life to be like that? Is it possible for my life to bear fruit that just provides uh, for others, that just nurtures others, that encourages others on the way? And that's really a question that we all need to ask of ourselves. How can I be more fruitful. Well, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. The Gospel of John, John chapter 15, the fourth of the, the last of the four Gospels. And the text is on the screen. 
And this is uh, a parable that Jesus told as he was walking across the Kidron Valley to, uh, to the um, Garden of Gethsemane. And he was passing by this area where there was grapes. And he began teaching his disciples. And here's what he said. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, Jesus answers that question as to how we can be more fruitful. <clears throat> but it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by chance. It happens with intentionality and purpose. And that is <clears throat> that the vine dresser has to do something to us in order for us to bear more fruit. And that is he has to prune us. There are things that have to be removed from our lives so that we can bear more fruit. Okay? We may think our life is comfortable the way it is. We may think that, oh, I'm productive, I'm a Christian, I've been in the church all my life, or so on and so forth. But there are things that God wants to do in our lives in order to make us more like Jesus. Because when we stop and give pause about the life of Jesus, his life was the most fruitful life ever lived. Stop and think about it. That just uh, last week, I believe it was, uh, it was announced on uh, one of the news sites that the world population has reached 8 billion people. And that's certainly a lot of people. But about uh, <clears throat> at least one-eighth of them profess Christianity of some form. They, they know about Jesus, whether they're Roman Catholic, whether they're Presbyterian, whether they're Orthodox Christian, whether they're Seventh-day Adventist, whatever uh, uh, you know, variety of Christianity that they choose, they have heard about Jesus, okay? And if you were to ask them, they would profess, yes, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And you think about that, that Jesus, his life was so attractive that the Gentiles came after him. They said, can you heal my son? The, the Roman centurion said, my servant is lying at home sick, but I have enough faith that all you have to do is say the word and you can heal my servant. You don't even have to come under my roof. <clears throat> and, and so that's how well-loved he was. That's how attractive he was. And that's because of the fruit in his own life that spilled out unto others so that they became attracted to him. Okay? He met with Gentile women, the Syrophoenician women. They came to him for help. And there were others. And for 2,000 years, people have been professing their allegiance 
to this man, okay, by allowing themselves to be called followers of this Jesus called the Christ, Christians. And so that's what has to happen. Something has to change in our lives in order for us to be more productive for God. Now, this the text says, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now I'm going to put up a slide here. This is a little artist rendition of what a grapevine looks like before pruning and after pruning. Okay? So then there's specific names for these different branches. Some are called suckers and some are called, uh, there's special names for them that an arborist or a a vine dresser would be able to, uh, you know, address. But I'm just not that qualified. It's above my pay grade. But you can see just in the illustration what is present and what is no longer present after the pruning. And this is all done for the specific purpose of bearing more fruit. Now, when you look at this, you think, well, wait a minute. There's more branches over here. And there's less branches over here and if you want, if the grapes grow on the, on the branches, why would you remove branches so that it can bear more fruit? Usually, if you have more branches, you would have more grapes. But that's not the case with grapevines. Okay? The branches have to be removed <clears throat> because then the plant puts more energy into producing the fruit and that fruit comes out on these other branches. So these other branches then become very heavy laden with fruit. <clears throat> so in order for our lives to be more productive or fruitful, some things need to be removed. And if they're not removed, we remain non-productive. The question is, what does God need to remove from my life in order for me to be more productive for him. Well, perhaps the next <clears throat> verse and verses can help us answer that question. John chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless <clears throat> it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So now, Jesus addresses the issue that there are things that need to be removed from our lives, but he also talks about something else, something in a more positive sense, in that we have to abide with Jesus. We have to abide in him. We have to remain connected with him. And this parable answers the question, so we need to abide in the vine. That means remain connected to the vine. And Jesus, being symbolized by the vine, uh, is how we are able to bear that fruit. The branch in and of itself, if, the, if you cut the branch off <clears throat> and just left it there, the branch wouldn't produce anything because it's separated from the vine. The vine is the source of the energy that goes into producing the fruit. 
So it is impossible for us to bear fruit unless we are connected to Jesus. And so here is that illustration, and it has a picture of all the different descriptions. It says here, <clears throat> these are the suckers that are coming up at the root of the vine, and the, this is the graft union. This is where another vine was grafted in. This is the trunk of the vine right here. It's pointing to that. This is what is called the water spout. With the branch that comes off the main, the main vine, and uh, perhaps that would be cut off during the pruning. But then you have these other branches that come off, and these branches—the proper term, I guess, according to this diagram—is called a cordon. This would be another cordon, and uh, then you have these little shoots coming out, and these uh, these are called the cane. The dark part is the cane. And you've got the fruit coming off, and then you've got these little spurs okay, that come off. So you've got this proper terminology and, and whatnot, but Jesus makes the point. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. So it's not just us being connected with Jesus, but it's allowing that relationship to be so deep that he dwells in us as well. Okay. And in order for him to dwell in us, there has to be room for him to dwell in us. And that's where the pruning is important because things need to be removed from our lives for Jesus to dwell more fully within our lives. And he again, emphasizes, for without me, you can do nothing. So the picture on the screen illustrates that close relationship between the vine and the branches, and the branch would not exist without the vine. The branch is totally dependent on remaining connected to the vine in order to produce fruit. Now, what would happen if we chose not to remain connected to the vine? Well, Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So obviously this is not a pile of branches on fire, but it's one that's about to be set on fire. Those are all the, the branches that have been pruned off gathered in some vineyard and they're about to be set aflame, set aflame because they don't bear fruit. Okay? The branches that do not bear fruit are removed and burned. So the question then is, how do I abide in Jesus? How do I have that close relationship with Jesus? Well, here's what he says in John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. <clears throat> By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. We're called to be followers of Jesus. 
so that his character can be molded, imprinted, uh, so that we can be shaped in his image. And when we, when our original parents, Adam and Eve, were created in the Garden of Eden, they were made in the image of God. But their selfish desire led to the scarring of that image. But Jesus came to restore that image, that image that has been lost. And the beautiful way in which it can be regained, where we can be repurposed, refashioned into his image, is if we behold him, if we allow his word to abide in us, if we allow his word to change us, that if we don't just study the word just because, well, we're supposed to, because we're Christians and we're, you know, we, we just, this is what we do, so I might as well do it, as if it was something on a checklist, but that if we enjoy and seek and pursue this relationship that God so dearly wants to present to us. So here's the question. We can only abide in Jesus as we spend time in God's Word by reading it, meditating on it, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and instruct us as to how to better align our own lives with what God says that we are to do. So here's the question. Do you want your life to be more fruitful? Do you want your life to bear fruit unto righteousness? Do you want your life to be such that people would be attracted to Jesus through our lives? You know, I came over here with Phil. Uh, you know that Phil lives just kind of almost passed by his house, passed by his backyard to get over here. So I had spoken to him and said, hey, do you want to ride? And he texted me back earlier today and said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that ride over there. And so I was sharing with him that uh, this past Sabbath, they had an elders meeting up in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And uh, the conference leadership challenged the elders. And I'll just communicate that challenge to all of us here. And that is that the challenge was if each one, if each uh, at this gathering, even though I wasn't there, I'd heard about it from Daryl Williams, one of our elders at the Three Angels Church. He said, we were challenged by the conference leadership to win one soul in 2024, to win one soul to Jesus and prepare them for baptism. And uh, certainly that can be accomplished in one year. And that's really what the fruit of our lives should be so that we can bring others to Jesus. And so next year, Connecticut, and specifically the Hartford area, and we're not uh, that far from that region, we're going to be doing evangelism here. But to prepare for it, to prepare for it, what if we were to accept that challenge and pray intentionally that God would put someone some precious soul, if we were to seek God out daily to have him answer that prayer, that he would put somebody within our path that we could study with and bring into the ranks of this body of believers. But in order for that to happen, this question has to be answered because this is what the text tells us. 
What is it that God wants to prune from your life? What is it that God wants to remove from your life? What is it that God needs to remove from your life so that your life will bear more fruit for God's glory? We're going to have our time of prayer now. And we can ask God that question as we pray. Um, and uh, pray that he will show it to us, that he will reveal that answer to us. It may not be tonight. It may be while you're up at night or waking up in the morning or on your way to work or shopping, whatever that thought will occur and God will impress you. Or maybe as you're reading the scriptures, some Bible character will come to mind and you'll say, I'd like my life to be more like this person. I saw... In the, as I read the scripture, this transformation, Lord, that you brought about in Peter's life, or you turn John from a son of thunder into the disciple of love. Lord, do that, bring about that transformation in my life. Father in heaven, <clears throat> as we return to our homes, it's my prayer that your blessing would be with us, the blessing that you intended for us to receive from hearing this message. Please abide with us, keep us safe, and bring us back safely tomorrow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.